0: But let me give you some more of the lust of the flesh that Paul doesn't exactly bring out here. Overeating, gluttony, it's a lust of the flesh. Laziness is a lust of the flesh. An unhealthy desire for comfort. I don't mean a healthy desire for rest and relaxation, but an unhealthy desire for comfort. Slander, gossip, things like that.
1: Have you ever noticed how much self is at the middle of sin? We want to be in control and get what we want. Satan doesn't seem to mind letting us run our own lives as long as God is not in control. Welcome to Verse by Verse Radio, where God's Word is our textbook for life's lessons. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are in the book of 1 John, and you'll want to listen carefully to the important teaching on today's broadcast. Let's listen now to Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve
0: Three reasons not to love the world. Last time we studied this passage, we looked at the first of these reasons, and I'll quickly mention it to you. It is this, love for the world and love for the Father are incompatible. Incompatible. Notice the end of verse 15, where John says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Having commanded us not to love the world, John gives us now a reason why we must not love the world, because if anyone does love the world, it's obvious that the love of the Father, meaning his love for the Father, is not in him. Essentially, what John is saying is that the person who loves the world with with a habitual and continuous affection, it's in the present tense here, so that's what he means, without any remorse or any conviction that it's wrong or any desire to change, that person is not saved because that person obviously does not love God the Father. In other words, habitual love for the world and habitual love for God cannot exist in the same heart at the same time. It is impossible. can't. And there is a reason that it's impossible. You see, when a person is converted to Jesus Christ, he receives a new heart. We've talked about that many times. Peter calls it a divine nature. The Old Testament calls it a new heart. It's a new heart, and that new heart loves God. Loves God, as opposed to the old nature, the sin nature that hates God. Therefore, his love for God drives out his love for the world. Because his new heart has new godly affections, affections that he never had before. These are the very things that he used to love, but he doesn't love them anymore. He doesn't have the same attraction to them. They don't appeal to him anymore. In other words, true Christians evidence the reality of their conversion by no longer loving the things that, as pagans, they used to love. Now, if you still love those things, you've never changed. This is the way you used to be. This is the way you still are. Then you don't know Christ. You're still a pagan. As we've already said that we can be, as believers, too attracted to the things of this world, and we do need to repent of falling into worldliness. However, we no longer live as believers. We no longer live for those things. We no longer live for what, what we once habitually set our affections on. The things that we now love are those things that God loves. That's our heart. So we love holiness, purity, righteousness, integrity. We love living selfless Lives. We love being servants to others, even though at times we battle with all that because we still have indwelling sin. But essentially, we love those things. We want to do those things that please the Lord. So, why should we not love the world simply because loving the world is incompatible with loving the Father? That's the first reason John gives us for not loving the world. We move on to a second reason. Why we must not love the world, and that is because the things of this world are in opposition to God. Verse 16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, before considering the details, and we're only going to look at a little bit of the details of the statement by John, we do need to understand the big picture. That is, what's the, the main point That John is making in this verse it's this there is nothing absolutely nothing in this world's evil system that finds its source in God it can all be traced back to a world that is in opposition to God notice the verse again he said for all that is in the world and then he explains what's in the world but jump down to the end he says is not from the father but from the world There's absolutely nothing in this world's evil system that finds its source in God. It can all, as I said, be traced back to a world that is in opposition to God. That's the point that John is making. In other words, everything in this world system owes its origin to a way of life that is hostile and antagonistic towards God. Therefore, we are to love none of it. None of it. Now, having said that, John mentions three specific attitudes that come from the world and that characterize the world and therefore must not be loved by us as one Bible teacher put it these are the essential marks of the pagan way of life and we say no that's not how we want to live it's not how we're going to live but this is how all pagans live lust of the flesh lust of the eyes the boastful pride of life this is the way we used to live This is the way we do not live anymore, not as a habitual, continuous lifestyle way of existence. I want us to look for a few minutes at the first of these specific attitudes that John says comes from the world. John calls it, number one, the lust of the flesh. Now, by lust, John simply means cravings. Things that are longed for and desired by those who are in the world system. Sometimes when the Bible uses the word lust, it it doesn't necessarily mean evil. In this context, it does. It does. You can have godly desires, and it's the same word. You lust for something godly. But that's not how he's using it here. It simply means cravings that are longed for and desired by those who are in the world system. He uses the word flesh. By flesh, John is referring to the evil hearts of the unsaved, rather than merely their physical bodies. He's, he's not talking about skin in the sense of flesh or even even our bodies. He's referring to the, the evil hearts of the unsaved. So what John is saying then is that the reason we are not to love the world is because the world lives for gratifying its sinful desires, and that's not what we're about. It's not what we're about at all. We were saved out, as Paul put it in Ephesians 5.11, The unfruitful works of darkness. And we don't want to fall back into those lusts and evil sins and works again. See, these inner sinful cravings characterize, as we said, the pagans of this world. And by pagans, I simply mean the unsaved. This is who they are. This is how they choose to live. This is the way they are determined to keep on living without any regrets, without any desires to change. However, this isn't the way that we are to live. This isn't the lifestyle that we choose to embrace. Now, what are some of the lusts of the flesh that characterize the pagan way of life? The things that we have to fight to avoid every day of our lives so that we are not lured back into an old, lustful way of the world. Well, the lusts of the flesh certainly include indulging the obvious sin of sexual immorality. It's not limited to that, but that's certainly a main issue. Because, but understand, it go, goes way beyond sexual sins. And I want, I want you to see this. It's not my opinion. It's what Scripture teaches. Galatians chapter 5. Paul specifically talks about the deeds of the flesh. He's talking about the, the deeds that come from sinful hearts. We know it comes from sinful hearts. Jesus said that. Out of the heart, he said, come these things. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. He says, now the deeds of the flesh are evidence, which are, first he mentions immorality. He speaks of impurity, sensuality, He speaks of idolatry. Notice he speaks of sorcery. That actually, that's referring to drugs practiced by the occult. When you hear of people being high on drugs, it goes back, that's the deeds of the flesh. It's sorcery. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. He's not even giving. All that he could, this is just a a taste of the sins of the flesh. And notice he says, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things, those who live this way, it's a lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they've never been saved. They are obviously not saved. But let me give you some more of the lusts of the flesh that Paul doesn't exactly bring out here. Overeating. Gluttony, it's a lust of the flesh. Laziness is a lust of the flesh. An unhealthy desire for comfort. I don't mean a healthy desire for rest and relaxation, but an unhealthy desire for comfort. That's, I suppose, another way of saying laziness. A lack of discipline, slander, gossip, things, things like that. Now, folks, understand that the world that Satan controls is characterized by a desire to satisfy sinful longings just like these, because the world lives only for the enhancement of self. These are the very things, though, that we fight daily by resisting these allurements. Now, I want you to look this up with me. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Learn this, memorize it. Meditate on it. Most importantly, obey it. This is very critical. And I want to just apply some things here. Paul said in Romans 13 verse 14, a most critical statement concerning resisting the world. He said, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Make no provision... In your life, in regard to fleshly lust, that means that it's not enough to just pray about it. I know people who will tell you when they're struggling with things, well, I'm praying about it. Paul said, more than praying about it, make no provision. What needs to change in your life? Now, this is a command. That needs to be taken seriously because as Christians, we are constantly being called by the world to lust after the things that are forbidden by God. So practically speaking, what can we do to make sure that we minimize this allurement to lustful living? In other words, what can we do to make sure that we are not providing in our own lives, make provisions for the flesh? Well, something that in my mind... This week, as I was studying this, jumped out, is the whole issue of television. The issue of television. Make sure that if we do watch television, that's up to you. Certainly, Scripture doesn't forbid watching television. Doesn't command it either. But if we do watch television, we have to watch it with our minds engaged. So that we pay attention to the message on television. The screen and don't simply watch just to unwind and relax our minds that is a great danger and listen I've fallen into this many times myself just relaxing not thinking about what you're even watching that would be making provision for the flesh see if you watch television with a passive mind you are asking for trouble because not only are you setting yourself up to be tempted by the thinking of the world, but you are setting yourself up to be an easy target to be seduced by the world and its fleshly desires. See, most most of us, especially men, tend to think that if we're not watching pornography or nudity on television, then it's, it's all right. But it's not all right. It's not all right. Because God's standards are much higher than simply avoiding pornography and nudity. Without question, that ought to be Avoided, But it goes way beyond that. See, much of what we watch on television today is based on the thinking that says, it's really all right to live for the cravings of the flesh. That's what television is about, the cravings of the flesh. Just ask yourself, what is the content and the message of most of television? What is it? It's to live by the philosophy of greed, of lying, deceitfulness, drunkenness, drugs, adultery, Divorce, revenge, jealousy, hatred, and anger outbursts laced with profanity. And what makes it so horrible, because you may say, well, yeah, but I mean, Scripture tells us some of those things. Yeah, but on television, there are no consequences. There are no negative consequences. People have adultery, and it's all right. They never have anything bad happen to them. They just enjoy this. People get drunk, and there's really, it really isn't any consequence. That's not what Scripture teaches. When scripture, scripture tells us these things happen, there's always a consequence. There's always a mark that says this is a danger. You don't want to go down that road. See, the message on television is do whatever you want to do without any fear of consequences. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's it. See, constant exposure to these kinds of, of fleshly lusts eventually will lull you into being desensitized to sin so that you will begin to conform to these desires rather than fight them. Now, what Paul has to say about the issue of immorality and as it relates, we would say, in application to our entertainment industry today, is actually found in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Starting at verse 1, Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. He goes on to explain what he means. And walk in love. Walk in love. You say you know God. God is love. So walk that way. Love gives. It doesn't take. Love Gives, it's not lustful taking. He says, walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And then he says, in contrast to this, and this is the context, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Now, what Paul teaches is that love is to characterize us as children of God, not lust. Love gives, lust takes. We are to be people who love, not greedily take in lust. He says there is not to be any immorality. I love the way the New International Version translates this. There is to be not even a hint of immorality. There shouldn't even be a hint of it amongst Christians, impurity or greed. Because it's these fleshly lusts, Paul said, that are not proper for the saints, meaning God's holy people. So, if we are really going to make no provision for the flesh as Paul commands in Romans 13, then we need to ask ourselves, in the context of the entertainment industry, and I realize it can apply to many many areas, I'm just dealing with television because I think it's so blatant and so pervasive in our society, we have to ask ourselves, does this program I am watching on television tempt me with sexually impure thoughts? Thoughts of greed, thoughts of covetousness, thoughts of revenge. Does it arouse fleshly lusts in me? Lusts that are not proper for someone who is a Christian. If the answer is yes, yes, then you simply turn it off. You turn it off and stop making any provision for the flesh. So John tells us that true Christians do not love the things of this world, such as living by our sinful lust. Therefore, if you are a true Christian, and you realize that you have allowed yourself to fall in this area, that you watch with a passive mind and you shouldn't, then do something about it. Do something about it. And one thing you can do is make sure that you are not watching anything on television that will tempt you to drift back towards the world and the things that the world loves. Now, I just want you to listen as we bring this to a close, but pay attention to these wise words by Craig Cabanis from the chapter God, My Heart, and Media in the wonderful book which I recommend all of you to read, Worldliness, Resisting the Seductions of a Fallen World, It's edited by C.J. Mahaney. This man, Craig Cabanis, wrote the chapter on God, My Heart, and the media. He writes this, and I quote, Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch television, rent a DVD, surf the Internet, or spend an evening at the cinema. The hazard is thoughtless watching. Glorifying God, he writes, is an intentional pursuit We don't accidentally drift into holiness. Rather, we mature gradually and purposefully one choice at a time. In the Christian walk, we can't just step onto the right path and figure all is well. Christian discipleship is a lifelong journey consisting of a series of countless steps. Each step matters, and thus our viewing habits matter. Now, Next time we meet in our study of 1 John, we'll delve into more of what John has to say about not loving the world. But tonight, we need to apply this great truth that the reason we don't live by the cravings of our sinful hearts is simply because it's not from God. It's not from God. Fleshly lusts find their source in a system that is hostile towards God. We have been delivered from that system. Praise God. Never, Never to live there again. We may fall there, but we don't live there. The Lord has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness so that we live and desire to live in a manner that is pleasing to Him, and that means we deny our fleshly lusts, and we make no provision for it. So, do you pass the test? Do you pass the test? Or don't you pass the test? Do you love living by your fleshly lusts and have no intention of changing, no intention at all. I don't mean if you're struggling. I mean, you just, you hear this and you go, I don't really care. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Then you are not a believer in Christ. You've never really been converted. Your heart's never been changed. You're not touched by conviction of sin. You live like a pagan because you still are a pagan and you need to come to Christ. But if you hate your fleshly lusts, And you desire not to live by them, even if you do struggle. And and who doesn't struggle in areas like this and others? And you can be assured that you're a real Christian. You're a real Christian. You don't want to live there. It's not your lifestyle. John teaches that real Christians don't continue to love the things of the world. It's not from God. And God has put love in our hearts for him, not that other stuff. Let's bow for prayer. If you've never trusted Christ, I urge you: you failed this test. Then come to the Lord. Don't play around with this. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. If you do know Christ, you're convicted. You maybe are not have not been very discerning in your television habits. Then do something about it, and be careful. Don't just vegetate in front of the television. Engage your mind. Have the remote right by you and be careful. Make no provision for the flesh. That stuff will seduce you. Fight it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for this passage of Scripture, Lord. Thank you for convicting us. Thank you for dealing in my own heart as I've studied this. And I pray for our people today. I pray that we will take seriously that Paul... And really, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, commanded us, make no provision for fleshly lust. So, Lord, may we do those things that would honor you. May we be careful to make sure that there's nothing in our lives that we are doing that's providing fleshly lust to get a grip on our hearts. So I pray that you'll help us to have wisdom to apply these these critical truths to our lives. And should someone here be convicted, Lord, that they are not Christians, may they soon turn to you and be saved. We pray this all in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. We don't drift into holiness. Now there's something to think about. We make choices every day that either draws closer to God or allow us to drift away from him. Are you ready to make the choice to say yes to God and no to the world? Our desire is to help you hear the word of God, understand and then live it every day. We want to help you in any way we can. You can access lots of resources and download messages on our website, versebyverseradio.org. Our mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, PO Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida 33758. You can call us at 727-239-0306. We'd really like to hear from you. We appreciate you taking the time with us around the Word of God. Don't miss the next message in this series. For Pastor Steve and the staff, this is Jerry Pruden saying thanks for listening. Tune in next time on Verse by Verse.